Design can be found in everything we touch, see and hear. I'm Luke Irwin and I've always been fascinated by making the sometimes rarefied world of design more accessible. This recording is from the By Design talk series created by the Sir John Soane Museum in partnership with me. These talks invite some of the most innovative and well-respected designers of our generation to discuss one everyday object that has inspired their design practice. The interviewers for the series are Will Gompertz, arts editor at the BBC, and Alice Rawsthorn, design writer and critic. These intimate conversations take place in the candlelit dining room of Sir John Soane's museum, bringing to life Soane's long-held ambition to create an Academy of the Arts where all forms of design can be celebrated. Olga Polizzi is Director of Design at Rocco Forte Hotels. For the last decade, she has been working with Sir Rocco to build a new luxury hotel brand. Her latest works include the sumptuous interiors of the Savoy Hotel in Florence, Villa Kennedy in Frankfurt, the Balmoral in Edinburgh, and Brown's Hotel in London. Here she is in conversation with Will Gompertz. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely to see so many people here on an early summer's evening. What a fantastic place to be, don't you think? Okay, so we're going to have a, a great evening, a great hour, um, with Olga Polizzi, who is the design, design, director, design director for the Rocco Forte Hotels, which is now 14 five-star hotels, principally around Europe. The business was set up with, with, with Rocco uh, after the hostile takeover by Granada of the firm she and Rocco used to work for, Trust House Forte, the extraordinary company which was built up by her father, Lord Charles Forte. Olga Polizzi is a designer, a hotelier, a businesswoman, a collector, a shopper, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the foremost interior stylists in the world. Please give her a very warm welcome. <laughs> Olga, good evening. Good evening. We have to start with the location where we are, the Sir John Soane Museum which I think is particularly relevant to you. In a way, I see you as a, almost a modern day zone. I wish, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Going ar around the world, getting involved with local communities, local arts and crafts, practitioners, supporting their work, being interested in their work, buying their work. I wonder, therefore, is this particular building and the man who was behind it an inspiration for you? Yes, I've always loved Soane, um, and I love this museum. It's, it's a sort of one-off in London. It's a, um, it's a wonderful place. I, we used to have an office just a couple of doors down from here, and so I could pop in practically every day. And um, as the director was saying, you know, you, every time you come in, you see something new and something different. And we're just building, doing, uh, we're not building it, it's an old, old building, but redoing a hotel in Rome at the moment, Hotel de la Ville. And um, we already have one in Rome. And this one, we've in a way based it a bit on Sone. We've done the Grand Tour. And so we have used a lot of, we've used statues and we've sort of based it. We had photographs of Sone when we were putting together the ideas. Um, so yes, he has influenced me and I do love Soane. Have you walked around here, Olga, thinking where you might put the bedrooms, <laughs> where the bar might go? Would be a perfect small hotel. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, something is between us, Olga, which we ought to talk about specifically for people who will be listening to this as a podcast and who are not in the room. Uh, and that is uh, a good many pieces of pottery. 
What are these pieces of pottery and why are they here? Well, he's an artist called Lursa. He was born in France. He made these, these pieces in the south of France. He was a, a very talented artist. Uh, he did, not only was he a good painter and quite well known for his paintings, but he was also an illustrator, a printer, and he revived tapestry making in the 30s, um, which really hadn't been done. Tapestry had sort of fallen away um, since the Renaissance, really. Um, and he made some wonderful tapestries. And I was walking down Bond Street one day and I thought, well, I'll just quickly pop into Sotheby's. I'm a terrible shopaholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank God I've got hotels where I can, that I can buy for. And I, and I just walked in and there was a sale going on and it was just a sort of, not a grand sale, but I suddenly saw this um, tapestry being put up for sale no one bidding for it and I just loved the colours they were bright orange and reds and and it looked sort of foliage on them and so I sort of I put out my hand and bought it um, not knowing what I'd bought anyhow it came and I hung it up in my hall somebody came, a friend of ours came for dinner and said to me is that a lursa I said I don't think so and then I sort of looked closely at it and there was lursa written on it <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I got to know Lursan. Since then, I've bought, I keep buying his pottery. He's, he does some wonderful things. He's a, he loved nature. Again and again, he put in owls and roosters. Roosters because of the sunrise and the wake, uh, early awakening and, and owls because of their wisdom. And he has leaves and trees and mythical animals. I think it's just, he's a happy artist for me makes me smile. I'm rather a pessimist and this is something that cheers me up. Um, <laughs> um, Jean Lorsa, as far as I understand it, was, is a, an, was a near contemporary of Picasso's um, thesis uh, and he, I think he started out as, as a painter, didn't he? Then evolved into the tapestries and then in, 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 into the pottery. But when I look at these pieces, um, which are, none of them are, are perfectly Round, they're, they're all they're all very much handmade. Uh, they're they're highly coloured, and and I see in them quite a lot of Picasso and Matisse, and and maybe even a touch of Miro. Yes, you're right, and I think he did. He painted with them, and it, what's lovely about these is you know the, the strength of the cut, masses of masses of colour, masses of paint on them, and then this very very bright gloss. I mean, the yellow is practically the same colour in the in the room upstairs. Yeah, in the um, south drawing room. Yeah. And yes, and until and until the end of his life in sixty six, nineteen sixty six, he died quite not quite recently. He he for the last fifteen years, this is all he did. And were you were you early on to to Lorsa? I mean, given that you didn't have any idea who he was no. at the time, well, uh, so he obviously wasn't a big name. But has he now become something? of an established figure and you've actually got rather a good collection. And yes, I have got quite a good collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have more. <laughs> but um, yes, he's, he's, uh, I've probably collected him for about 20 years, I think, something like and, that. And, and are these pieces and the tapestries you bought, are these for, for personal use in your own home or do these go into the hotels? No, there's certain things I, I just, I don't usually buy anything that I keep, you know, I have first and then put in hotels, and apart from my own hotels, actually, which I do sometimes put things in. But no, these are my own things. And, and what other artists uh, or designers do you collect? 
my father um, loved Lowry, mm. um, and I was always rather sneery about him. You know, I kept on thinking, Dad, why didn't you buy something, something else? You know, but he had a big collection. He, in the end, he had the biggest collection of Lowrys, and we did actually sell them all. But I've I've kept um, I've kept three or four rather beautiful drawings. Um, so I've got that. I, I, and I've have you come round to Lowry now? I have. I understand him more. We had a hotel in Manchester, which we sold. Um, and looking out of the window there, you could really see Lowry. You could see what he was painting. And I, I've got to understand him from that. And then, I mean, I, co I collect um, some modern British painters. What, the, Nicholson, so, the Nicholsons and... Well, one little, one little Nicholson. <laughs> no Hockney, unfortunately. <laughs> a a Paula Rigo. Oh, wonderful. And are you always alive and alert to the new? Or, or do you find yourself always being drawn to sort of mid-20th century? I like mid-20th century, but I, I am very much drawn to the new. I'm always looking for new people. Yeah. And we, for the hotels I buy, I always buy locally if possible. So... If I'm in Rome, I try and find local young artists. I've just come back. I came back last night from a week in Puglia in the south of Italy. We're opening a hotel tomorrow, actually. Um, <laughs> you look very relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> I came back especially for this. I shouldn't just be there. And, uh, and there I've been, I, I spent a week before we started. We've done it incredibly fast, which is a nightmare. In six months, we've built 10 new rooms. We've redone all the old rooms. We've redone all the public areas. It's um, been real, a real rush. So I haven't had much time to sort of think it through. But we had a week going all around Puglia, which was very interesting, and finding what they had there that was... And we went to a place called Grottaglie that has pottery. Mm. And I bought, I must have bought three or four hundred really huge plates there. All the rooms have got one of these plates in them. I had lamps made there. Then they're very good at metalwork and I found a wonderful blacksmith who made me tables. I've had tiles made there. I saw in, in one of the towns there a, a, a roof of a church with strangely shaped tiles and we've copied them and used them. Have you become um, well known for this, Olga? I wonder if you're a local artisan <laughs> in, in w whichever city or town uh, the Fortes are rocking up in and suddenly they think, oh, hang on a second, Christmas has come early. <laughs> yeah, in some places, yes. In some places, yes. They sort of know, know it. I can say, can I take it? I haven't got a checkbook. And they no, take it, take it, let yeah. me take it. So that, th it's interesting, that the, 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 the Puglia Hotel, which is obviously just about to open and therefore the, the most recent thing you've done, it's not far off 25 years you and Rocco have been building this business. Has, has your design tastes changed over that period of time? Does, does Puglia mark something different? I think it has changed. It has to change. You know, it's like design is like uh, fashion. And, you know, clothes change and, you know, you might have this, some wonderful pair of trousers of, you know, you think I'm not going to throw them away. But then the following year comes and they're just slightly more flared, slightly different. And you sort of feel that they're not quite right. And I'm always looking, looking at other people's work. And I look at magazines and 
and and so I, my tastes do change. I mean, if I looked at something I'd done, I've probably been going at this nearly 40 years. I think I've done more hotel bedrooms than anyone in the world, I think. <laughs> um, and, and so, and I probably would be rather ashamed of some of them. But I've got now, you know, things have changed because we, everyone's been through that grey and beige period, that minimalist style. I never quite got to be that minimalist, but, but now it's colour, colour, pattern. And in, we've done a lot of work this year in lots of hotels. We've done a lot of work in Scotland with the Balmoral. We've done work in, Ru in Russia in St. Petersburg at the Astoria. And I've used a lot of, I thought I'd never use wallpapers again because paint is so much easier in hotels. You know, if a room gets a little bit scruffy, give it a coat of paint and it looks fresh. And, and wallpapers are more difficult because if someone tears a bit of wallpaper, but I'm using now a lot of wallpapers, and um, which sort of really dress a room. By um, whom? Gosh. Um, and, are, and are these very expensive hand-painted wallpapers, or are they wallpapers that maybe one or two, two of us in this room could afford? <laughs> no, no, they're ones one or two of you could afford. Maybe all of you could afford. Um, I've, I've just done the lobby of Brown's Hotel, so do go and see it. I think it's worked quite well. I'm not usually happy with anything I do. I always think, oh God, you know, I could have, I should have done this, I should have done that. But I am quite happy. It's a very difficult area. It's a tiny reception, um, and I put in a roof light, and I had specially um, designed wallpaper, something English I wanted. So we've done wisteria, very overblown. And I think it's been quite successful. And that was hand done, and that was done by a young man called Adam Ellis, who did it specially for us. I sort of we talked it through, and and how um, did you how did you find Adam Ellis? I've used him before, <coughs> and I do, I don't know. We came across him first with someone that used to hang our pictures and do our framing, and then bit by bit I've I've used him um, a few times to do other wallpapers. Actually, he also did some wallpaper for the freeze in, in Brown's restaurant. And then conversely, do you still have designers you work with who you might have first met and uh, collaborated with sort of 40 years ago? Yes, uh, yes. Um, some called Richard Daniels that I used a long, long time ago. I now use his, his daughter and his son-in-law. You know, Martin Bruninsky I've known for years and I've used him I, and I carry on using him sometimes. Tommaso Ziffer yes. in Rome, who is rather brilliant. I love using outside designers. I can't, we can't do it all ourselves. We're a very small team in the office. And obviously, if we're just doing, I don't know, Balmoral, we did our, on, on our own. We've done a sort of three-phase thing, 25 rooms at a time. <laughs> and it's Piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and we've done it in-house. But something, a totally new hotel like the De La Ville in Rome, which is incredibly complicated, and every bathroom is different. Every bathroom has to be drawn up, the elevations, the whole thing. And then I use an outside designer. And of course, I go and I meet with him and we talk it through. And every one of our hotels is different. And everyone is, is it's to do with the place it's in and the building it's in. So I want people to wake up in Rome and think, we're in Rome, not where am I? And it's the same with London. I think lo using local artists is very important because that immediately, it's extraordinary how German artists are completely different from uh, British ones and Italian ones are different from them. I'm going to ask you a rotten question, but everybody in the room wants to know the answer. So we've, we've learned that wallpaper is back in, which is good to know. But, but uh, what, what, what I really want to know 
is, and I really do want to know this, Olga, is what is good taste? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I can tell when it's bad taste. <laughs> I don't like too much glitz, unless it's really beautiful glitz. You know, really wonderful rock crystal chandelier is absolutely marvellous. But sort of cheap glitz is not very nice. So it's much, you can do a room. We have very st um, stiff budgets. You know, we're always, because we're hoteliers, we're not just doing it for vanity projects like a lot of hotels are done now. We, we know that we've got to make a return on our investment. And as I'm also part of the board and part of the team, I know that I can't spend more. If I spend more, they're not going to make a profit. So we, we're, and I'm always grumbling about our budgets. Too little is too little. But actually it's quite good to have parameters and designed to a budget. And then you get, it's always nice to have one expensive piece. You know, whether it's a... Oh, so you would rather have one expensive piece and then sort of then, compromise then, on everything else. Yes, mm. I think that's worth doing having a really expensive piece. And also, it's the bones of a room. If you've got a sort of ugly shaped room with not very nice windows, etc., it's quite difficult to make it look good, however much you, money you throw at it. And actually, I sometimes think I go into some, some places and I think, God, they've thrown money at it. You know, they've, there's, there's panelling, there's incredibly, you know, silk walls, there's, I mean, chandeliers, there's mirrors, there's, it looks terrible, <laughs> you know. So really, it's, it, it's not to do with spending a huge amount of money. Always overscale rather than underscale. You know, a big piece is always better than having, even if you've got a small room, have a nice big long table towards, uh, against a wall, you know, that you can put things on. So overscaling, I think, is something one should do. And then if one's in unsure of one's taste or what one's doing, I always think, you know, something, a, a, a muted color on a sofa, and then you can add massive colored cushions. Mm. Mm. You know, not massive different cheap knickknacks. It's better to have one nice piece. I mean, I say that, and then I go off and buy massive little <laughs> things. But, um, but one nice piece is important. And, and, what, and what, a, what, a, what about, you know, because we live in the world of, of eBay, where sort of everything is accessible in, in a way, old and new, how do you balance that, you know, in terms of, of, of taste? How do, how, do you, how do you marry the old with the new, um, or do you? Yes, I think it's lovely to, to marry very modern, but it's not easy to do always. It's got to be the right piece. But I think it's very nice. I, I like using contemporary. And I think it's, it's, you know, if you've got a lovely old piece of furniture of your mother's or something, it's lovely with a contemporary picture above it. So it's quite nice to mix. And I always do mix. And, and I think in a way we're different, <coughs> our company is different because I can go out and I go, always go to the decorative antiques fair, it's, which is three times a year in Battersea. And it's not madly, you know, you can buy something for £50 and something for 15000 Not, It's not hugely expensive. Well, and £50 I, isn't hugely expensive. <laughs> 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 but so I, I go there and I always buy, you know, one or two pieces for the hotels to put in to mix with the stuff I've having made. Because obviously if you're doing 60 rooms or 25 rooms, you've got to get someone to make your furniture. So it's all the furniture's 
basically the same in a room. But then you add a bit, you know, you add a nice picture, you add a nice bit of pottery, you, you know. And is less more? I think probably yes. I hate going into a hotel bedroom, and we do it as well, where every, every surface is covered. I just can't bear it. I go and I tidy everything up, put it all in a pile and shove it somewhere in a corner. And so you've got a bit of space to put your own stuff. And I mean, I'm terrible about going into other people's hotels. I'm always, one of my daughters the other day was in somebody else's hotel and I started moving the furniture around. It wasn't quite in the right position. You know, Ma, for goodness sake, you know, it's not one of your hotels. <laughs> do, you, do you believe in things like Feng Shui then? I don't really use Feng Shui, but we have in China where we're building a hotel in Shanghai because they believe in it a lot. And I do slightly believe in it. I think there's in something it. in it. There's something in it, yes and mirrors, where mirrors are placed, and water, and how the bed's placed. And they're very, very strong on it. I, I, the, one of the things I think about interior design, which is, is the, one of the hardest things to get right, but it's, it's spoken about less, is, is lighting. Lighting is the most difficult thing of the lot. It really is. And um, it's very important to have lighting coming at you from various directions. So have up lighters as well as down lighters, as well as a lamp. You know, mix the lighting. And that makes such a difference. And then never have overhead light when you've got, you know, I hate it. When I come into my house, my husband always has the lights full on. I think, God, I've shown you 20 times how to switch the lights on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's better to have muted light and it makes people look prettier and people feel more comfortable in it. Um, so never, don't, you know, turn off the overhead light. Have it when you're doing tasks and things, but switch it off and have lamps and have up lighters and have a few down lights. And who is, um, who is good? Who's a good... Who's good at contemporary lighting? I mean, Tom Dixon, I think, is, 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 is pretty able. But, but th 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to be, I mean, there's lots of people who make great wallpapers, and there's lots of people who make great furniture, but I can't find many people who, make, who are making great lights. Well, it depends what, what you mean. I mean, if you're talking about lamps, or are you talking about, I, I'm not mad about down lights anymore. They're so difficult to change, yeah. and they, um, but we do use them in bathrooms, and. No, but uh, no, lamps and and and, lamps. and, and, ha and hanging and you know. Well, go to the decorative antiques fair. They have lovely lamps, um, and uh, Porta Romana, Porta Romana have very good lamps, very expensive, but but the best probably. And then we go to Heathfield. They have quite nice lamps, and they're much better priced. I buy from William Yeowood, William Yeowood in the Fulham Road. I want to um, just ask you a really practical question about interior design and, and what you do for your five-star hotels. We should bear that in mind. But you know, just thinking about you know, real people's lives and real people in the room and listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, what would Olga Polizzi uh, do? Is, is, what was, what, what's a reasonable budget for a room, Olga? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's jolly hard to say. You'd probably be shocked at how much we do spend. But... I mean, we're given anything from 10,000 to 30,000. Okay. So it depends. If it's a brand new hotel, it's probably 30,000. But then, you know, rooms in London now, if you want to buy a hotel in, in central London, it costs a over a million pounds a room to buy a hotel. So you have a 30-bedroom hotel, you're paying 30 million. The capital outlay is huge. And also you've got a huge competition. We're always competing. 
um, with other people and you know we try and be ahead of the game and then someone catches up and then you've got to think of something else I mean design is one thing but obviously service is even more important than design um, you know design is the first thing that catches the eye you know if I walk into a hotel I, I do feel a bit uncomfortable if, if it isn't least reasonably nice um, or if it's grubby Oh, grubby, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grubby, absolutely not. A hotel has to be really clean. And I'm always, I've got a thing with housekeepers. I'm always on the housekeeper's side. It's such a hard job. And, you know, you've got to have pillow protectors. You've got to have mattress protectors. I'm always in to all of that in our hotels. It's got to be really clean. So what's the, what's the Forte algorithm when it comes to buying a hotel? You say you've, bought, you, you, you've got 14 now. What are you, what are you looking for? What, what, what are the criteria you, 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 you require to think, yes, this is worth 30 million quid's worth of investment? I think it has to be, it has to be right in the centre of the city if it's a city hotel. I mean, we've been looking in New York for ages and you know, everything comes up is not, even though New York's always moving, it doesn't, now it's moved a huge amount. But Rocco likes being sort of Madison Avenue or something like that. I'm better, you know, I bought a little hotel in Cornwall and I thought, what the hell am I doing buying a little hotel in Cornwall miles away? And then one in Devon that's right down the, you know, long, long drive. But actually people come if it's something a little bit special, a little bit nice. I love my hotel in Cornwall, Trezanton. It's, and I think it is a bit special. And there I do, I'm continually changing and buying. And I go into a room and I think, God, this is looking terrible. You know, and I sort of, I never take any money out of it. It's always it's a labor of love. in. Yes. But why? I mean, you've got 14 others to play with. Why, why did you want your, your, own, your own hotels? I think it's, it's been good. I mean, I, I only bought it because my husband's got a little house in St. Moore's in, um, southern, in, on the south coast in Cornwall. And I went for the first time with him to, to Cornwall. And it was a sort of revelation. We're Italian-blooded and we've always been to Italy for our holidays and everything. I'd never been to Cornwall. And then I thought, this magical place. And it was a completely broken down hotel. It was water coming in. There was only five rooms open. If you wanted to have a meal, you had to go and tell them and they'd go and buy the food and then you'd... <laughs> and I went into the kitchen and I sort of sloshed on... There was carpet in the kitchen. It was absolutely terrible. And William sort of said to me, why don't you buy it? I said, for goodness sake, why do I want a small hotel in Cornwall? I mean, nowadays someone would have snapped it up. Yes, now. But this was 21 or 22 years ago and nobody wanted it. And the, the bedrooms and bathroom, every bedroom ha had a bathroom, but it was across the corridor. And William, of course, you know, he doesn't mind where he sleeps. <laughs> he sort of said, oh, well, give them good toweling robes and you can leave it like that. <laughs> And instead, and so everyone had looked at this and couldn't work out what, how to put them together. And in the end, I bought it literally nearly two years later. And I built an, a, a corridor at the back so that the bedroom and bathroom, the co corridor became part of the bedroom. Yes. And it was, and it was fun. And it, I don't have anyone, you know, at Rocco Forte, I have everybody telling me what to do. You know, every director has an op opinion everyone you know and I sort of I fight my corner but in the end my brother's a boss so I have to sort of listen to him. Um, 
It has to, it only can be one boss. But there I can do exactly what I like. And I've got no fridges in the room, so I don't have to fit fridges into furniture and all that. But the service has to be good and someone has to get their drink or whatever they want, their tea or whatever, very quickly. And then again, Ensley that I bought in Devon. I mean, it was complete madness. And I really just bought it with my heart rather than with my head. It only had 16 rooms and it's the most beautiful house built by Wyatt with a garden by Repton. I'd never really heard of Repton that much. And was this again something which wasn't selling? It wasn't selling. And I went to see it and I thought, this, this is too beautiful. But I said, this is mad. And it's a grade one listed. And again, the windows all needed doing and everything. No, no heating, very little hot water. Um, and then... It was mad, you're right. And, but it had this magical garden, the wow. gardens by Repton. It was built by the Duke and Duchess of Bedford and as a cottage orné, they went down there um, thinking that they would be like Marie Antoinette, you know, pretending that they would go. Of course, they had 30 gardeners. They had, <laughs> you know, it was just... And, they, and she, she did the garden with Repton. She, she came from Scotland and she wanted to be... She wanted to look like Scotland. So a lot of rock face, masses of water. We've just cut a lot of undergrowth and we found a, a waterfall. And it's, you know, huge gunnerers. I love gardening. That's one thing um, that I do love. And I've got quite a nice garden, which I've completely redone in Sussex. Every time we go, William says, why don't we come and live here? And, you know, I sort of say, well, how, <laughs> you know? They said, well, we could have a bed and breakfast here. <laughs> <laughs> I know who would be doing the bed and breakfast. <laughs> So, so I suppose I'll, I'll just on, on that, just the, vul the, the, the vulgar question is, is: Are they both successful? Are they making They're any money? They're really, yeah, they are successful. Um, Ensley was not successful for ages and ages. Trezanton's been successful from the word go. I mean, we were four times on the holiday program. It just sort of caught the yeah. moment, right thing at the right time. Yes, and it was twenty years ago, and designer hotels really hadn't arrived yet, and it was the first sort of decent hotel in a way in Cornwall and so that always made money and then when I, and then Ensley for about 10 years it was a drag on Trezant and Trezant and paid for Ensley and then I, I would have bitten anyone's arm off that wanted to buy it but now I've got a wonderful young manager he's really transformed really helped me transform it we put on three new suites I'm going down um, one day very early in the morning just to put on another one uh, in the stable block. So we've got um, four new suites. We've got one more to do. And so we've got, sort of we'll have 21 rooms. How, how, do you, how do you maintain standards when you're, you're not there? How, how, how do you ensure that everything is as you need it to be? I go mad every time I turn up in either of those two hotels. I, every time I, I get in such a bad mood the minute I arrive, <laughs> then I relax the next day. But I always see something wrong, you know, and I'm always saying the same things and I write long m memos and things. But even though I have kept people for years and years and years, but sometimes I think, oh, poor things putting up with me. But it's, it is, it's, you know, I talk to them every week 
at least, yeah. and they ring when there's a problem. And I suppose with things like TripAdvisor and yes. online feedback, you yes. can pretty quickly see, and I assume yes. you keep an eye across that sort of thing. Yes, I do. Yeah. And we have pretty good TripAdvisor. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose it, beg it begs the question, rather mischievous question in a way, um, but, but uh, hearing what you were describing as your process of putting those hotels into, into good order, it, were, were, did, did uh, John Cleese, <laughs> 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 did John Cleese hit some universal truths with Faulty Towers? Completely. <laughs> he really did. When we started, when we started Trezanton, we were all, all helped. My two daughters came at the end. I was just exhausted. I, you know, we had to open. It was, I think it was towards the end of May, and I thought, I'm going to miss the whole season. So we've got to open, we've got to open. And we'd, I'd sort of forgotten things like hangers. And every day, you know, I was trying to show the staff, um, you know, how to lay a tray, what I wanted, how I wanted things done, you know. And, and we were exhausted. And I used to go into the kitchen, have a cry, then come out, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, and every night, you know, about sort of 11 o'clock at night, we'd sort of go home and we'd put on John Cleese. <laughs> and we'd say, God, this is just like us, you know. <laughs> and we'd laugh and laugh. And I still, I love watching those programs. Yes. I mean, there is some truth in it. There yeah. really is. Tell me, I mean, you've, you've been in, in this business for, for 40 years and obviously the, the, the Forte family, I think you're four generations now in the hospitality business. But as a a young woman, did, did you want to, to get involved with this business uh, or did you find yourself trying to resist the, sort of the gravitational pull of, of father and brother saying, come and join us, come and join us? Well, we're, we're six children. We're six brothers and sisters and um, five girls and the famous Rocco, <laughs> the little princeling. <laughs> 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 uh, and he's the, he was the eldest and my mother used to cry every time she had another girl. <laughs> um, and I'm the second, I'm the eldest skirt woman. Anyhow, so and, and my, we were never, the girls were never brought up to go into the business. It was always Rocco. You know, Rock always was with my father. He was always brought up to go into the business. I was, when I was at school in the holidays, my father used to, um, you know, make us go and work. Uh, we worked, we, he used to have the, all the airport cafes and yeah. things. I used to work at the airport. <laughs> I worked at the Caffarol kitchens. I, I worked all the way through in the, during the holidays, but, but I was never expected to go in. I had two small children and, and then uh, my, my first husband, um, he died in a car crash and um, my father said well you better come in and earn your living and um, and that's how I sort of first went in and I was early 30s and I went in and I'd been to art school and I'd done various things I was putting on art exhibitions and things and you were interested in the arts I mean you wanted to be a gardener you wanted to be a singer yes. you were you know it was yes. your world in a yes. way yeah so I went in and they had a very big uh, office then they had architects designers um, project managers that so I, I learned quite a lot there and bit by bit sort of really took over and then of course I suppose there was this extraordinary unhappy event in 1996 which was the hostile takeover by, by Granada and, and everything your you Rocco your dad your family had to go through Yes, it was, um, it was extraordinary. It was the last of the real hostile, big hostile takeovers in England. And it was pretty ghastly. And we really fought it for months. And what had happened, my father, who was very strong, very charming, very clever, and then he had got old 
my brother had taken over. And so poor Rocco, in a way, was blamed for the takeover. They tried to humiliate him. Yes, yeah. they really did. And they sort of, you know, because he's not as good as his father. And, and also it had been a bad period. The stock exchange was right down. Everything was, we weren't doing particularly well. But things were just starting to come out. We had the biggest hotel company in the world. It would have been a marvellous company to have now. We had 800 hotels, but from the... We had travel lodges, post houses, and then the Plaza Tenet, the Georges V, the Ritz in Madrid. We had hotels in New York. We had a real Hyde Park here, Grosvenor House. You know, we had a lot of hotels. And so we, we, we pushed the price up twice, actually. And I went around the country talking to shareholders, saying, stay with us, don't sell. And all the small shareholders did stay with us. But it was one big... Um, company in the city that really did for us. So it was sold to Granada. Jerry Robinson was then the man of the moment and he'd promised all sorts of things. He was going to make it all much better. He was going to do this, he was going to do that. And in fact, he broke the whole company up. As soon as he got it, bit by bit, he sold it all off piecemeal and actually made no more than what he'd paid for it. And does it, does it hurt and rankle still? Or do you, do you feel a bit like, you know, Picasso's great statement that, you know, you, you've got to destroy to, to create and you wouldn't have what you have now if you'd... Well, I suppose so. It did. It was very, very painful. And I thought, I never want to see another hotel again. I never want to go into the hotel business. But my brother was determined to start again. So I sort of went along with him. And I suppose I wouldn't have my own two small hotels, which have given me so much pleasure if I hadn't gone through that. And I, I suppose it doesn't rankle anymore. I used to, ha I used to make a terrible inca Italian incantation, croce crocicchia al diavolo timpiccia. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother used to say, don't do say that, Olga. That's very bad. It's bad for you as well, mm -hmm. which is sort of cross upon cross, may the devil impede all your plans. <laughs> and so every time in Jerry Robinson, I really hated Jerry Robinson, but I've calmed down <laughs> 20 years later. And did, did you, but you must have felt the family and the name of the family taken a bit of a battering. Yes, yes, probably yes. And, you know, it was, it was sad for my father in his last years that this, had ha this happened. Um, and um, so it, well, it had taken a bit of a battering. But did, did, was your father alive and, and, and well enough to, to see what, what had been created from the ashes? Um, no, not really, no. But, but if, he, if he was looking on now? I think he'd be quite pleased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just before all that, um, of course, there was this, this marvellous story of, of, of you being called into number 10 by Mrs Thatcher, the then Prime Minister. To, to come and sort out um, her, her, her decorations. <laughs> yes, it was a rather amazing. I was asked to go to Downing Street. Uh, she, she, of course, had a tiny budget. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and we, were, we were working on lots of hotels at the time. We had a lot of work on, but... And so we were... In the evenings, we used to put together the schemes and everything. Then we used to take them to show them to her. And she would say, no, dear, I don't think so. So, you know, we'd try again. And, and it was a house of a certain period. It had to be quite grand. Georgian. Yes. Um, and lovely tall windows. And she had and, and lots of rather nice 
patterned carpets. And did she and know what she wanted? And she said, you know, she said, I want, I want some patterned uh, curtains. I said, but Mrs. Thatcher, you've got <laughs> all these patterned carpets. It would look nicer if you had a, a sort of plain curtain, I think. You know, you can have some tassels or... Um, and then she said, I don't want pelmets, dear. I don't want pelmets. And I, I said, but these windows call out for pelmets, you know, these very tall windows. And she said, well, all right, but put some... Um, uh, brown paper on the top of them so I can get it rolled off every year and get rid of the dust you know she was very uh, uh, <laughs> but she was lovely to work for you know she was sort of I, we came up with a with a, um, a sofa one day and she'd come out came out of the the sort of backstairs lift and what are you doing here dear and I said well there's a new sofa Mrs Thatcher and she sort of sat up bounced up and down on it and everything and she did have her own ideas, but she was very careful how she spent her money. And I said, well, I don't know, we did a sort of reasonable job, but not brilliant. You, so you weren't entirely thrilled no, with, not really. with, with what, you, what you... So you, 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 you famously said, Olga, in the past, you know, some no-nos as far as you're concerned in, in your hotels. I think trouser presses and tease maids uh, are two. <laughs> but, but these are quite old-fashioned things. I'm interested to know what contemporary no-nos there are for you. Well, I don't like, you know, I've just been in a hotel in Puglia, you know, I stayed in another hotel and, uh, and they had massive doilies everywhere. And, ma and actually our managers at, uh, at Forte, when we had the big company, they were always, I was always going along taking away doilies <laughs> and sort of putting them in the waste paper basket. Where, where are you on, on tech in rooms? So do you, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, getting the, sort of the sound system you put your iPod into or your smartphone. Oh, we've got tech people. So you, you, that is now a standard thing. That, that's a, you know. It is, but what I hate and which I have to put up with are the enormous televisions, <laughs> and I really hate it. Um, you know, I, I would say, but you can't. This is a small bedroom. You know, why do you want a fifty-six-inch television? <laughs> um, and they're, oh, everyone's used to it. That's what people like and everything. But I, I, and especially if you're, if you're in Rome, you know, do you really want a huge television? Are you going to spend masses of time? You know, you might want to look at the news or something. And I must say, in, in, my, in my hotels, I've had tiny little, I had, I've had have to change a bit because I literally had these tiny little televisions. Um, but I've had to put up with these huge televisions and we do have all the latest. Obviously, we have to have plugs and everywhere, which yeah. we didn't have when we first started Rocco Forte. We had, you know, you had to sort of move your, you know, now that you've got your iPhones, you've got to be able to plug them near your, your bed. Yes. And so we're redoing a lot of electrics and things like that. I don't like too many down lights, you know, it's like a sort of machine gun going over the ceiling or something. Um, and where are you on counterpanes and particularly those little foot ones they put at the end of the bed? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like, I hate those strips. Yeah, so I'm talking I about. I mean, what's the point of a strip? Um, and you know, people say oh, it's colourful and everything, but you know, it doesn't mean it. I hate anything false. You know, I don't like curtains that are dressed curtains. They've got to be able to close properly and everything. I don't like as if you're going to have a blanket at the bottom bag. It has to be a proper blanket. People can pull up if they're feeling cold, and they're quite useful in hotels because you know people, you know, use hotels. You know, they lie on the bed with their shoes on and everything. At least the blankets you can have them cleaned. The, the sort of rugs at the end of the bed and everything. And, and, and pillows? Pillows, I hate um, pillow menus. 
Uh, <laughs> is there such a thing? Oh my God! Yes. Right, okay. All managers want a pillow menu, <laughs> um, and it's it's so ridiculous. I say just have two of the best pillows, and and always have an uh, an allergic one, an allergic one in yeah. the cupboard. So if anyone is allergic to duck and um, whatever it's or down or something. Yes, like down. Yeah. Yes, down. Mm. And so you have a feather and down one. We always have two feather and down for each person and then the allergic ones in the cupboards. But I think that's good enough, you know. Do you really want to get people to, and it, you've got so many choices in life nowadays, you know. By the time you've chosen the wallpaper in your house and done this and that and the other and the other, you want to go to a hotel and you want to be well looked after and you want the manager to choose a really good pillow for you. And it's just like that with teas, you know. Thousands of teas and you think, oh God, I've got to choose a tea. I just want a good tea. <laughs> You know, and those sort of things sort of annoy me, masses of stuff, extra stuff. Yeah, extraneous. But managers love that, love, love that. You know, they want to do something sort of artistic themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what, what, and what about sort of the, sort of the um, star uh, so arms race? It used to be five star, but now it's a six star, hasn't it? It's a seven but, star. Is I that mean, nonsense? It is a bit of nonsense, really. What is seven star? You know, five star should be the best should be very, very good. Um, and so, you know, it's a new sort of gimmick. Does anything ever get nicked? Yes, sometimes. Um, but we're quite lucky with our hotels. We haven't had that much taken. But now and again, I, uh, got, I collect these little lighthouses, the old ones with sort of a light at the top and everything. And I've had one at Trezanton for 21 years. And the other day it was taken, so I was really upset about that. But I've, ne I've otherwise, I've never had anything taken from Trezanton. I knew a chap once who went to a very nice hotel. It was possibly even a Rocco Forte hotel. Anyway, he, he, he liked the duvet. He was just so blown away by the duvet <laughs> that he, uh, he went home and told his missus that, my God, and she said, well, we must have one of those. And he said, I have an idea. So he rebooked himself in <laughs> and packed his own duvet from his own house. <laughs> No. Yeah. Well, that's a new one on me. <laughs> and you know what he did. I went, you know, uh, you know people, so, what it betrays really is, is that people have a sort of a funny relationship sometimes with hotels. They do. They? they think, well, I'm paying a lot and why don't, can't I take it? And actually, when I first opened Trezant and somebody, they rang up and they, they sort of said, oh, you know, it's quite expensive for us. I'd love just to come for a day with my two children. And um, anyhow, I said, oh, let them come, you know. And I, but I said to them, please be out by 11.30 because, you know, we have a ch turn, uh, we've got to redo the bed, it's turn, turned around and everything. Anyhow, 11.30 came and they weren't out. And um, 12.30 came, they still, weren't, they still weren't back. So I went up into the room and the, the bags were all packed, m minus a few bits. So I sort of took the bits and went to put them in the bag and I saw all the hangers in there, all the towels, <laughs> all the toweling robes. And I thought, bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I took it all out, we Did hung everything up. Did you have an incantation for them? Cle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Closed the bags, mm. took them downstairs mm. and you know, when they came, they sort of, but I thought, God, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> My final, uh, a two-parter. I'll go to my final question, which is one, what is your favorite room within the, the Rocco Forte and your own personal hotel suite? What, what's your favorite room out of the whole lot? Oh gosh, 
Um, it's always the last one I've done. <laughs> I've just uh, we've just done a really nice suite at the Balmoral, and that's worked quite well. And in Puglia, it's it's a, actually rather a, it's that's rather a magical hotel. It's small, it's got a lovely pool, um, and we've I've done a sort of totally trellised outside restaurant, which looks quite nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Kipling Room in Browns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the uh, final question is what is the best room you've ever been to in your life? Oh gosh, I really, I really don't know. It's never, there's never a perfect room for me. It's, there's always, I don't know, there's always, <laughs> I'm never completely satisfied. Um, so I can't really answer that question. Well, I suppose that's the, the fundamental answer to the, the, the whole conversation really is how do you be a great interior designer? The answer is never be satisfied. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm round of applause and thanks to all the people.